0: Ficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Jute Schuber, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, everybody. This is are listening to Season <laughs> 6, Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing Episode 5 of Game of Thrones, titled The Door. With no spoilers past the currently aired episodes, I'm Chooch, as always, I am joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello! Natty just Hello, everyone. And Vivid Muse. Hi! <laughs> so we got a couple of technical, technical issues tonight. When don't we, it seems. Um, last week, our uh, broadcast stopped about 58 minutes in. The uh, audio kept recording, but the live feed stopped and it lost all the video. Like it wasn't just the live broadcast. Mm -hmm. It lost everything. But so people who uh, watch on YouTube or whatever, um, you can listen to the podcast and actually you can find it again in iTunes. It was gone for a while. Um, I've made a much easier way to find it. Go to bit.ly slash btw podcast bit.ly slash btw podcast takes you straight to our itunes page the new feed if um if you are listening to this and you had subscribed a while back and never had a problem please go to that new feed and resubscribe because things may have changed and i don't want you to have a problem you know in the future um related to that oh the other technical problem is with me and viv at home, our air conditioner's out, so you're going to have some extra fan noise happening and hopefully not too bad of a fanny strobe light. But
1: I turned my <laughs> overhead fan off and got this out, but oof, it's already Hello? starting to get heated up in here.
2: Yeah, we can totally hear that
0: on the microphone.
3: <laughs>
2: can't hear the
0: overhead fan, but we can hear the hand fan. <sighs> I can't win. So,
3: something about uh, when you had the fan up and just the way that it made the light reflect, all of a sudden it looked like you were on a green screen and like the background behind you was, you know, <laughs> projection.
1: Oh, cool. I'll have to look for that.
3: I, it was just <laughs> caught my eye. It wasn't really that <laughs> big a deal. <laughs> um,
0: also related to the new iTunes change, we have two reviews up. They came
2: Yay. up I'd read them real
0: fast. We got a, a nice quick review from Tibby called walking all over uh, the wall. Fun discussion each week about game of Thrones. The panel hits all the high and low points. Thank you for that. And one from Lord Marauder best game of Thrones podcast out there. Ooh, thank you.
2: Yeah. thank you.
0: I've been listening to the gang since they started and I have to say that they're, Podcast is the best. They work very hard to avoid any spoilers based on what is known from the books. However, they are not afraid to enrich some of the scenes or understanding of the story based on the content of the books. I find it adds some great depth where a TV show might need to be abridged. <laughs> Subscribe to it now if you're a fan of Game of Thrones. So thanks. And, uh, That's they, a good
3: review. Yeah. Both of those. Yeah. They
0: both get five entries to our new Ooh. contest to get a fifty dollar <laughs> gift card at the end of the season. So hey, thank
1: you so much to be a marauder. You. Thank you, thank you.
0: If you review, you can get five entries as well and win that sucker. Um, other news: uh, Balticon is coming up this weekend, and uh, you this will be in the podcast feed before we leave for <laughs> Balticon. <laughs> um, if you happen to be in Baltimore this weekend, uh, George R. R. Martin is the guest of honor at Balticon 50 at the Inner Harbor, and. We're doing a panel uh, Saturday night at, it's now 6 p.m., right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, 6 p.m. in the Kent.
0: In the Kent room. And so we'll be doing our live show there. It's not going to be an episode discussion because we will... um,
1: We're doing that tonight. before the
0: episode records and we're doing this tonight. Exactly. Um, We're going to, I believe we're going to talk about what ifs. So... Things that happen. What if Ned hadn't lost his head on that fateful day? That sort of thing. Right. Uh, thing, and this I think is the
1: one I, that I've been waiting for us to do for a while because there are so many good possibilities in there.
0: I think we that's going to gonna be a lot of fun, and we'll release that into the feed sometime after Balticon. Um, last time it was what nine months after Balticon. I promise that's not going to happen this time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I will um, yeah. be checking sooner this year. <laughs> Shooting for
0: Lino a week after or so. And um, hopefully just before we leave for Balticon, I will have the George R.R. R. Martin uh, interview from Mysticon sent to us as an exclusive from podcasting's Rich Fritz Siegfried to send to us and Geek Creator Daily. We'll get that in the feed and you can hear that hour long uh, interview. Which was a lot of fun. They did this kind of speed round at the beginning, and they're like, I I know you get a million questions, so let's do a lightning round. You know, like <laughs> who's your favorite character? Damn. Tyrion. Is John dead? Okay, you can pass. Um it's <laughs> it was
1: a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so it's just a really fun interview. You guys will just really enjoy yeah. it.
0: So cool. yeah, that is our news. I thought this week, if you guys are down with it, we would jump straight to the tree, the three-eyed raven.
3: Ooh, and go through right. that plot uh, line. On that note, in the Q&A, uh, Paulette says, taking a deep breath and gripping my armrests for this one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, so yeah, I thought we would open with that because that is kind of the most significant thing this year. And I don't want to end on a sad note. <laughs> um, so... The first. Wait, just
4: yeah. real, sorry, I just remembered. Uh, just real quick, did anyone notice that the the uh, actors' names were in a different order this time? No, not at yeah, all. Yeah, they were. I didn't go back and like specifically look um, for all of them and compare, but they were definitely in a different order. And a bunch of the people that are not normally at the front were at the front. And the what made me realize it is. Um, uh, something Isaac Ray, uh, the kid that plays Bran, I saw his name really early. Oh, wow. That's wild. Yeah, I
1: specifically do not watch the opening credits. I don't want to know what zone we're going to. I don't want to know what actors are on the episode. Blah, <laughs> blah, <laughs> blah. Until the screen goes from dark to me. So What mm-hmm. did you know? Because you usually watch the opening. I watch so the map,
0: closely. yeah. I just watch yeah. them. I don't really pay attention to the credits necessarily. Um, I generally do watch the previously on. Um, right, which can yeah, certainly spoil things. Yeah. Sometimes are mm-hmm. like, yeah, they haven't, we haven't seen that guy in forever, so you know. Um, yeah. I noticed this week we did lose Vase Dothrak. Um, fitting, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Off the map, it wasn't on the map. It this did, week?
0: Yeah, they didn't do
3: it this week.
1: Mm-hmm. It was not interesting because we were actually kind of in. The, we were kind of there for an exit for departure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're leaving. <laughs> Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, I'm it. going out the door in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm uh, with Chooch in the sense that I watch the map for what locations they show, but uh, usually don't pay any attention to the names. Yeah. Uh,
0: so this episode, when we get to the, the tree, it, it, does the tree itself have a specific name? Is that like, I know we call him the Three-Eyed Raven. I didn't know if that particular tree did have a name or not, because some people say. I don't know. Hmm. I don't think it does. Not that um, I know of or remember. But so we open with a flashback with a history lesson of the tree itself. Mm-hmm. And we find how actually the tree itself and how the White Walkers were created. Like, yeah, wow. so they created the children of the forest. Use dragon glass to create them, which makes sense. That's why they kill them now, and because they were the enemies they were burning the forest down or the or to to defeat their enemies yeah. who were men right mm-hmm. cutting down chopping down the forests
1: yeah. yeah yeah they were chopping down their trees and defiling all that you know they believed in and stuff mm-hmm. i didn't
3: i didn't make the connection that it was dragon glass being pushed in although i guess that makes sense especially just given that uh we know there's the weakness um to dragon glass um it's not clear where Valyrian steel comes in, because those are the two known weaknesses. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. And then, of course, the Whites are vulnerable to fire, but that doesn't seem to be a problem for the the White Walkers themselves. But, uh, right. yeah, I thought this was an interesting reveal uh, that at the same time it's not necessarily clear yet how this actually impact anything now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it'll come around again and, and be important again once um, once more stuff happens or maybe once we're trying to defeat them once and for all, like somehow that'll come back around again and be relevant. Or maybe it's just thematic in the sense of what people are willing to do in a war and how that can actually turn into something much worse than the war was.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Um, although in, in some cases it's kind of a question of like, well, for the children, you know, they kind of almost got all wiped out anyway.
2: Right. So
3: yeah, that was it's a, kind of what is worse <laughs> in that sense.
0: That's a question I had because there didn't seem like there were that many children's of the forest. So I'm thinking did, did man Are really wipe that ones? many out? Is that all there is? Um, or has there always been just What's not the- that many
1: Nutty Christiana, what do the books say as far as like, did this happen in the books? Do we have the origin story for the White Walkers like we got? How similar are the books to this? Without spoiling who the different people might be that we find out later. This isn't covered in the book.
4: Yeah. We're okay, not here.
1: So nowhere we we aren't even anywhere this isn't on yeah. the in the right. books at all.
4: Okay. The flashbacks we've gotten this season are ahead of where we are. Uh, we basically got to the last time we saw Bran before the season, mm-hmm. so we don't really have this mm-hmm. information. Yeah.
3: The last week, yeah, the, that's so we're definitely beyond what was covered in the books for sure. Um, I think that the Night King was like referenced offhand when just talking about like ancient folklore, mm-hmm. but only in uh, and like so, but not in a direct sense of like, oh yeah, it's this guy. Gotcha. We've certainly never seen him you know yeah. in see anybody in a in a book, but uh like so even the first scene what was this two seasons ago where we first had a scene that showed the knights king and the you know turning the baby and all of that mm-hmm. like that was brand new we had we hadn't even had that happen in the book, mm-hmm. and still haven't um uh we do have a little bit more about the children but just yeah in terms of the specific origin of the white walkers or even really any clue whatsoever regarding their social structure or hierarchy this is all new in the in the show
1: yeah which means that uh winds of winter which i actually like the fact that someone did a throwaway line yeah. tonight on The Winds of Winter. But, yeah, so um, excited. So. <laughs> but it's going to be really interesting to see how differently George handles this as opposed to the way this the show is yeah. handling it. Like, just, wow, okay. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... So, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, like, this
4: whole um, reveal that they created, um, the the White Walkers. Uh, So one thing is we don't know that this is actually what happened according to the books. Like, I call it uh, George R. R. Martin confirmed. Um, So we don't really know that this is George R. R. Martin confirmed. Um, I could kind of see it but I'm getting from a lot of fans that they're not sure and they don't really believe that it is going to be that way in the books. Um, But it has me questioning sides. Mm. Because Throughout the entire thing, I'm thinking, well, the children of the forest. This has got to be right. This has got to be right. And now I'm sitting here going, yeah, but they created this darkness, mm-hmm. and and it makes you it makes you really wonder. Like, are they behind this? Are they are they actually trying to get rid of the humans again? Like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's
3: fascinating. It's one of the things that I like best about the broad scope of the series is this idea that we're setting up uh, what is a pretty common trope in fantasy which is that the these ancient forces of light and darkness or good and evil are you know shaping up for this grand battle and everyone else is just chess pieces on that board um, but in this case the two sides neither of them seems obviously good in any meaningful way Um I mean, the White Walkers certainly seem to want to kill everybody, so you do not we don't like that. Yeah. But we also really have very little understanding of why they do that or what their larger purpose is beyond just killing everybody. That might be yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. to mention um,
0: they are skeletons and zombies, and that's generally a bad yeah. thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, but the other side is the one that, for example, led to burning a little girl at the stake. Mm-hmm. So... Me. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, Shadow Baby, Death Magic and uh um Creepy Visions of the Future. Like so that stuff doesn't seem great either. Um and it's it's all really interesting I think just in the sense of it forces us to question some things that seem like straightforward tropes like you know danny say being the chosen one according to um the lord of light right it's like well we almost can't help but think like is that good yeah maybe not <laughs> like and when i've talked about like her destiny or like what she's supposed to be doing which has kind of been a running theme for me it's like according to who and what is their end game yeah
4: so mm. exactly and and who's to say that the lord of light is not with working towards the children's ideas and again we i i'm questioning everything i don't think that there is anything that i know for sure there's a right way and a wrong way i do know that i'm kind of siding with the humans here um mm. i could be wrong in this sense because i mean it does seem like the the Unfortunately the children are um the native species of this world uh but I'm sorry I'm I'm going to go with the humans uh, <laughs> uh exactly <laughs> definitively um <laughs> but uh it it really makes me question things and I know a lot of people are, were really unhappy with the idea that the children have created the white walkers but I love it because again as a fan of history how many times do Factions back a certain party to, or get somebody to do their fighting for them, or develop new weapons, and then they become, they get out of control, and they can no longer control them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how often does that happen? I know Tibby left a comment on the event page. I can't actually check it without crashing uh, Google Hangouts. <laughs> but um, uh, Tibby had asked, you know, how come they can't control it anymore? And I think it just might be one of those things that they started it and it got too big for them. But we also need to pay attention to the fact that they mentioned that they did it because the humans were cutting their trees and wiping them out. Mm -hmm. And cutting the trees down, it wasn't just humans coming in, it's when the seven – the The religion of the seven came into power, and this is from the books this is I don't think they really talk too much about this in the show, but when the seven came into power, they burned all the god's woods in the south, and the only people that were able to keep their god's woods were the northerners. So the seven were burning the trees, so it's like, ooh, so maybe the seven have a lot to do with the old gods and the children it, it's, so much going on, and I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, we have a couple more comments in the Q&A. We have uh, Jennifer saying, um, uh, didn't the child of the night explain that they were close to extinction, which kind of what Nettie was just saying. And I think, yeah, as far as we know, there aren't any more other than the ones we saw here getting not, you know, happy things happen to them. Yes. Um, and then also uh, she says, and whoa, those children are old. Yeah. <laughs> um. James Durham jumps in with skeletons and zombies, generally a bad thing. Wink. That's
0: just my personal guide.
3: <laughs> and then Paulette also says, White Walkers equals Skynet. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Good can see that. Um, I was also just thinking of when we talk about the parallel of trying to unleash a force with the hope that it will help you and then it getting out of control. The Faith Militant is kind of what's happening there Mm -hmm. in King's Landing, too. Very true. Mm -hmm. Very true. So that might be where it ties in thematically to the broader story, just the idea of someone desperate in a war unleashing something that they can't control.
2: Yeah. Oh.
0: The uh, next scene in the tree. Um,
3: oh, I had yeah. one question to ask too about about that ritual. Are we meant to infer from that scene that the reason the weirwood trees have the faces is because of this ritual, or do we think that they had them anyway for some other reason?
4: Hmm. Good question. No clue. Because I mean, visually,
3: it kind of made it seem like somehow the face bleeding the red yeah. sap tears yeah. was like because they they did this ritual there. So they had
0: already created another
4: this one. This travesty.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Hmm. In, in the books, the way I visualized it, and it could be that this is just me, but in the books – the faces were carved into the trees in ancient days and that's why the red sap would come out of them. Mm -hmm. And that was this old kind of face and it wasn't really clear like we see in the Hmm. show. And so that was one of the things like when I saw the faces on the show, I was like, well that's that's like a face, a face, not just like the man in the moon's face that, that you know, where it's a bit abstract, but everybody can identify that it's the man in the moon. Um, So I was like, oh, okay. So I don't know if, uh, you know, as you say, uh, that this is the reason that there are faces because in the books, and again, I don't know if this is just me inferring because a lot of times I'll fill in details um, on my own. It's just the way my head works. Um, To me, I always assumed that the people that worship the old gods, they carved the face into the tree. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and
3: that might be um, it, but it also, I mean, like the implication at least here might be that when we say carved, it was sort of in the specific context of, like, why was there a face carved in there? Maybe it's carved in there as a part of this ritual.
1: That's an interesting thought. It would be nice to put the face on the tree next to the, the first... What, the Night King or the first of the you know, others, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. See if there's any facial similarities. Hmm. I didn't think of that. One thing I did notice was that an interesting parallel to what Cersei did with uh, Sir Gregor Cle- Clegane. is like she took him and she like, they did something to him and they he's now turned into a weapon. And for now, I mean... She's He's under her control, and I guess that we're supposed to suppose that that's always the case, but mm-hmm. just it was like, hmm, who else has been fucking around with Jen? Oh, right, Cersei, great. Her and Kyburn, mm-hmm. children of the forest, they all have the same great idea. <laughs> well,
3: and then we have Danny and her dragons. Yeah. You know, she, and her level of control over them is dubious.
1: Yeah, she didn't, she, she definitely brought them into being, that's for sure. Mm hmm. Mm. Mm. but she didn't like manifest- well it's hers is weird because she did manifest it nobody else could but her
3: yeah well i mean i'm not saying that they're all one for one it's just general oh, yeah. it's kind of a motif of people doing things that they hope will bring them power, but they can't ultimately control it what, even the wildfire used back at the Blackwater is kind of that way
1: right you know it's funny you said that because I actually pictured the Blackwater and the green fire and all of that stuff when uh you, when we first started talking about it mm-hmm. hmm. oh man we just <laughs> keep doing the same things over and over even in our fiction <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so now we have um everybody asleep Bran wakes up, sees the old guy is asleep, and all I can think is, God damn kids.
1: Yeah, can't leave them unsupervised for a minute. <laughs> gotta take you for a test drive. <laughs> yeah, um like... so
3: I was uh when I did my rewatch, I was taking you know, brief notes just to kinda of, kinda of remind me the the broad points of each scene. And my note for this sequence is just Bran fucks everything up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Chooch? Uh
0: uh huh, yeah. You just know this is going to end very badly. You know, he just has to go have a look. But I would think, you know, the Three-Eyed Raven would have some kind of alarm system or some kind of, you know.
1: Well, this is... Using Voldemort rules. (laughs) This is
3: something that, like, so there were things to like about this episode for sure. But... I felt like that there were also elements that felt kind of like sloppy storytelling for me, Mm -hmm. and this is part of the plot being so accelerated, and it's one thing for us to not have heard all the various rules of these sorts of green dreams, or whatever they are, these visions. It's one thing for us to not have heard all of these rules, um, because we're not with them 24-7, but like the implication is that the three eyed Raven never warned Bran that anything like this could happen. Right. And that's kind of on him. Totally. So like not only, first of all, he, he straight up lied to him previously when Bran thought that his father heard him in the vision and the, the Raven said, no, that's not true. The, you know, the, the ink is dry or whatever it was that he said. Mm-hmm. Um, which but you know as we'll talk about later is essentially proven to be not quite true. Um we didn't think it was anyway but right. proven this time. Um but then also just like by the way be careful about going to visit the white walkers because they can touch you and if they touch you then they can get in and it will break the spell and ruin everything. So maybe don't do that. Yeah, just considering, rule number one: don't do that. Okay. Considering given, how long
0: he was gone, mm-hmm. they had to. Have, this had to have come up. Something had to have come up.
3: Or yeah, or and so it, this it felt a little bit sloppy to me in the sense that it kind of puts it all all the weight on Brand for screwing it up, except that. Uh, it, it makes no sense that the three-eyed raven wouldn't have warned him. Um, fact, although Jennifer just chimed in with the Q and A, I think the three-eyed raven knew that it would happen.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I—that's uh, actually what I was just going to say—is that because at one point, um, you know, when we get further into the scene, he specifically tells Bran, "Listen to your friend," and so that's when he wargs into the younger Hodor.
3: Well, so, but that's after the after everything was already going wrong.
1: Well, but I but I think I'm kind of thinking that Jennifer Jennifer and I are on the same thought which is that yes, it's horrible. No, he's not as prepared as he should be, but he triggered these things. And so the three-eyed raven is just the ink is dry kind of thing, you know. He's got just the thing that bugged me the most is that he stopped to do another green sight seeing whatever it is. When they knew that the night's king was on the way, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, that yeah, but, also felt weird. What this
1: implies That's again? It, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: But this implies to me is that Bran has no control because he goes in, and presumably, to me, if he were to go in, the first thing he would do is go back to that fucking tower, right?
1: Right. Why Thank you. would
0: he go to some desolate wasteland in the middle of nowhere and suddenly see? So, I think he was drawn that way because he yeah. was going in unguided. And yeah. so first, somehow the the night king can just take over because he's unguided, I guess. Um, and later on, like he didn't seem to be able to leave on his own because why would he? You know, when they're saying Worgen to Hodor or whatever, why would he stay there? Why wouldn't he come out and then Horgan, mm-hmm. you know, control Hodor like he always has in the past, <clears throat> unless he was trapped. I don't yeah. know.
1: I, he he had the look of somebody that everything was happening so fast that yeah. he just couldn't even process it, let alone think of what action to take.
3: Right. So, so my only my only quarrel with the idea that the Three-Eyed Raven knew it would happen, and, and this is the Three-Eyed Raven explicitly tells him, you have to do this. It's like, am I ready to do that? No, you're not. Right. And so it's like there's no element of it that feels like this was always the plan. Now, it's possible that like you were just saying a minute ago, maybe this is what you're just going to say is that um, it's not that he planned it as much as it was always what was going to happen. There was nothing he could do to change it. But it, that just makes me think you couldn't have changed it by
1: telling him. <laughs> No, I think we're in agreement. I think we're saying the same thing. I don't think that that was the Three-Eyed Ravens' plan, but once Brand fucked shut up, as he does, Mm -hmm. um, that was the course. That was when the ink was dried on what was going to happen next, and he just kind of... It almost, to me, seemed like, why are they stopping and doing another visit somewhere? Mm -hmm. They need to be getting the fuck out of there, and what he brought him to may have been something that he absolutely had to like throw the baby in the swimming pool and they learn how to swim or whatever kind of thing. Like this mm-hmm. is the last chance I have to tell you anything. So you have to see it all now and deal with it now. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, well,
2: it was yeah, I,
3: I was just frustrated because yeah. I I felt like it's one thing for us to not know all the rules. Right. But it just makes no sense in a story context that Bran wouldn't have been warned about something like this if it was this dangerous.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, you know, it's one thing if they had shown us him being warned and then him deliberately doing it anyway. Right. But he seems genuinely shocked that this is a possible consequence. Like he had no idea that it was like, it's one thing for if he had gone and then tried to avoid being touched but then couldn't help it and then he wakes up knowing how awful this is but he is still surprised saying like, well, okay, maybe he touched me but so what? They can't get in. Like he, so he clearly had no idea what the possible consequences were and that just makes no story sense why he wouldn't have been Warned of some of that. I mean, I'm. It's not something I'm going to harp on forever, but it just felt Mm. like rushed storytelling.
4: So to me, because of those questions, it's more about um, it. it, It's giving more me more of the. uh, Well, whose side? Who's on whose side? And maybe I should rethink what sides I'm rooting for. Um, because I kind of feel like the three eyed Raven didn't warn Bran on purpose. Um, I kind of feel like the three-eyed Raven knew exactly what happened to Hodor and had to make sure that it happened before uh Bran had to leave and that's why they rushed into that thing. Um it, you know, one of these things where it's like he knows this has to happen. And because it's already happened in what he'd seen, and you know the whole hmm. the ink is dry. You know, is, is that going to be like a fixed point or something? I don't know. So
1: you think that it's the actual event itself of him taking him back and seeing how Hodor becomes Hodor, how Willis becomes Hodor, that that is the thing that he thought was the most important thing for 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 Bran to learn, right? I th- I think it's
4: it's it's that it's important and that it has to happen. So I don't know that the Three-Eyed Raven is right. I think, I personally think that Three-Eyed Raven has an idea of how everything works and he's probably wrong because I'm not sure he even realizes all of the things that Bran can do. Um, I don't think he expected that Bran could go into the tree without him. I don't think that he expected so many things to happen and he was clearly lying to Bran. When he said no, 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 you can't, you can't affect things. You know, he's def, if not lying, he was definitely trying to mislead him. Mm -hmm. But I think that he had knowledge about the whole Hodor thing, and that he knew before he and Bran broke up that Bran had to do that, Mm -hmm. and that maybe in his belief is that if it doesn't happen, it's going to be, you know, a rip in the space time continuum. Yeah, it was like like a fixed
1: point or something. But.
4: I feel like he knew and he had to get him there. I don't know that that's a good thing. I don't know that that's a bad thing. I have no idea. It's just it's a thing and that's that's how I saw it. Um it's it's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, it this is I was kind of avoiding jumping ahead to the next sequence, but uh I mean, we're kind of all talking about it mm-hmm. but like It really raised. I I feel like the big reveal in this episode is almost not even just how Hodor got his name specifically, although, you know, that was significant. But what what's kind of really more impactful ultimately is kind of the proof that there is. It's not just a passive connection when he's going back and visiting the past, but in a weird sort of. Predetermined time travely sort of way, you can't change anything. Like it, anything you're changing, even if it happened because you did it, you're only changing something to what actually happened already. Mm-hmm. Meaning, it, you're you're basically just you're reversing the cause and the effect um, in the way we would traditionally think about it. But So you can't actually rewrite history. All you can do, it it just turns out that some elements of history need you to make them happen or make them have happened. So, for example, I mean, Hodor has always been this way as far as we always knew. So the idea that, okay, well, Bran did it for this purpose, but it's not like, Hodor was different before and he changed to be this way all of a sudden like we've just rewritten the timeline it's like no it's this is always what was going to happen and so that just raises the question kind of like we've been talking about in how the Three-Eyed Raven might have been seeing all this is if that's what those past events were like are we sure that the current events are not the same way so maybe that is kind of something to it too like so jennifer is saying i think it has always have had to happen like
2: this <laughs>
3: uh conjunction mm-hmm. you know it's, uh, subjective verbs there uh, uh because otherwise hodor wouldn't be hodor and they wouldn't have come there but i guess that's what i'm sort of saying is that it's it's not really changing the past as much as it was an open loop and now they've closed it um the it like I said, the cause is coming after the effect instead of before, but you still can't change what the effect was with the cause. It's just already because it's already set. But Mm -hmm. what that just raises an interesting question is what other historical events only happened the way they did because bran is going to go and influence something
2: right
4: ding ding, 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 ding. What, she, or what future instantly. scene
0: will you know will you have the present day cell of themselves suddenly hear a voice hear bran saying yeah. no john go over there
3: mm-hmm. yeah, oh, um, at some well, and- point in
0: the future who knows
3: right um and i was also this just occurred to me how uh serendipitous it is because this, uh that our discussion topic uh for our panel is going to be what ifs yeah. because it's just like a total coincidence that that's but uh it's kind of it's an interesting time to have that discussion of saying like well let's imagine that some of these events happened the way they did because brand influenced them and so if, you know, what would have happened otherwise. And so Jennifer says, it's like maybe someone did something like this uh, to Mad King Eris, where he used to hear the voices, burn them all, burn them all. Could have had relation to White Walkers. Like there's all sorts of interesting wrinkles that come from this idea that Bran is able to not just view the past but influence it, and yet, only in sort of ensuring that what already happened is what happens. And, it's, and it just raises the question too, of predetermination and destiny and fate and all that stuff. Yep. Is the ink dry you know, if the drink, ink is dry in the visions, is it still wet now? Yeah. Or well, are we only going through what is the past to someone in the future?
1: yeah one, um, of, one, one I'm sorry, one I just want to say real quick about something that we talked about a minute ago is that one of the things that I'm doing to try and have better notes for myself with the episodes is that I'm taking like pictures of like little moments that are significant. And I was just going through them, and they actually, when we enter that area where the children are gathered in that odd formation around the around the tree. Um, there's already a face carved into it with like blood Im- coming from the eyes, and that's before the ceremony where leaf i guess it's leaf um turns the human into the white walker so are, are we assuming that that was the very very first one, or, or I guess that might answer the question about the trees becoming having faces on them because of the sacrifices on them or whatever mm. the changes that were made to them?
3: I, I, maybe I misremembered be, when I, when I was postulating that theory because I I for some in my head we didn't see the face until after the ceremony. But you okay? Well, if it's definitely before, then it it still might be some pre ritual thing because yeah. if it's not this, then we don't know what the answer is. But you right. but you I I I part of my theory was based on I thought we didn't see it until after, which was going to imply. That they were connected, but uh, uh, maybe maybe
4: not. Yeah. Mm. Getting getting back to uh, Christiana's thing about Bran mm-hmm. influencing everybody, it goes with a personal theory that I have had. Um, many people that read the books uh, complain about the first chapter being Bran, Brand, the prologue chapter, and they they will tell people to skip that chapter, um, which is kind of silly because that's where they get the direwolves. But they tell them to skip that chapter and and it's all about you know the you got to swing the the axe when you execute someone and all this very important things but they tell people to skip that chapter and that they can go back and read it later if they want to and that yeah the brand chapters are really really boring but i've always disagreed for me i was hooked in the first brand chapter and i have always felt that george started with brand for a reason and so this kind of ties into that, and that maybe the reason that he started with Brand is because Brand put all of the events into motion. And I really do think that this theory that he has been influencing the past and creating all of these things has a lot of wa- uh, weight there, and and that can totally, totally be a thing. There's another theory that's out there um, that uh, all of the brands. Are the same Look, brand. Let's be careful with possible spoilers. <laughs> oh, it's not a possible spoiler. It's just a theory. I yeah, yeah. I think that's a,
3: personally, I think I just personally. Where's my shame yeah.
1: bell? I got a bell that looks like the one the <laughs> on episode has. That it's like I I thought every time we start to tiptoe near something that we might come well, back to, that we could just ring the shame bell and just agree I, to not talk about.
3: It I tend to agree with. It. <laughs> With Nutty in this case though that this theory I don't think is a spoiler because it's like a real stretch to me.
4: Yeah, it's like (laughs) a real stretch but the one thing that this theory has that I think is neat, no, it just points out that Bran the Builder or I think this is what it says is that Bran the Builder is the first Stark. So it's kind of neat. And it goes to the whole first chapter is Bran. Bran might be influencing Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. you know.
3: It's interesting you you bring up the idea of telling people – people saying, oh, don't read the prologue or, oh, I always skip prologues or just don't read chapter one. That makes no sense to me ever. Ever. I I just sort of feel like if I'm going to read a book, I'm going to read it from the beginning. I'm going to assume that if there's a prologue there, it's there because the author felt like it needed to be there. And if I don't trust the author – that it's worth having the prologue there, then why am I even reading the book? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it has always been mind-boggling to me. Like, it's one thing to tell an author, more often than not, the prologue you think you need, you don't actually need. It's yeah. one thing as a piece of writing advice, but the idea that there is a book in your hand and you're going to deliberately skip the prologue, thats just seems dumb to me, personally. Uh, but whatever. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I totally I, I agree with you and when the Night King did the thing where he touched his arm and and was able then to get in to the caves in the tree, I, I think I said something to oh. Chucha along the lines of What kind of Scooby shit was that?
3: So <laughs> like no, it's an accident. <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed something. Yeah, nothing came across. I, I had game. a web page open. Okay, sorry, I I had a web page open and it made sound and I turned it off. Oh, really okay. Quick. So if oh, I made oh, a face, oh. that was why. Okay,
0: it didn't come across <laughs> for us. Okay. Yeah, she was like, "What's this Scooby shit?" I th- this whole <laughs> scene was just full of dumb plot things, reasonings. Mm. You know, like uh, you see this horde of dead things. Let's walk towards it because I don't have any suspicion that my dad heard me. Mm-hmm. Like, what could go wrong? It was just yeah. so stupid. Well,
3: but, you know, you could also blame that on the Three-Eyed Raven again yep. by saying the yeah. Three-Eyed Raven was the one that insisted, no one really sees you, no one really hears you, you're not there, you're yep. just seeing what happened, there's no yeah. interaction. Yeah. That would feed. the Three-Eyed Raven told him even when he questioned it. Yeah,
0: that would feed into thinking that it was intentional. Yeah. That makes sense.
3: Um. Uh. Paulette says, uh, the tree keeps the three-eyed raven alive. Maybe the children didn't turn the human into a white walker, but just provided a dead human for the tree to work with?
2: Huh. Mm-hmm.
0: You'd have one-to-one tree for <laughs> walkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Now, as kind of a, a, a follow-up from the earlier comment, uh, Jennifer says, uh, Maybe the Mad King could have been a mistake by the Three Eyed Raven, which could be the reason he doesn't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Although I'm also thinking maybe it might even be a mistake from Bran. Like if he starts trying to warn people about the White Walkers, um, you know, using this ability, it's possible if he does suffer for a lack of control, kind of like Chuch mentioned. Maybe he just goes around trying to tell anybody he can find and it screws some stuff up like that.
0: Hmm. I think it's a mistake for the Children of the Forest not to have a house built of fucking obsidian glass, dragon glass, (laughs) because they know that kills them. Why didn't they have more of it? Why wasn't it on every spear? You know,
4: come on. The house where they are, they're actually under, I believe, that tree that they did the first ritual at.
0: Yeah, right. that'd be, that's yeah, great. I would cool. install some, yeah. some Dragon
4: you Glass the barricades. Logo? Yes, the one in our logo? <laughs> yeah, the one in our logo. Yeah,
1: yeah they, they, they blew up our logo. Yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah. So I have a question.
4: Yeah. Uh, how much more forgiving of Bran going into the tree alone, Bran interacting with people, would we be if um, uh, the actor who plays him, if, if, if Isaac Hempstead right? Uh, didn't look so much like a man and was still very young-looking. Mm. Hmm. I don't think it would make a difference for
3: me because I, don't, I still don't really blame him.
2: Right. While it's right. certainly
3: exactly. true that he performs the actions that screw everything up, he is the learner here. He's a child.
1: The yeah. guy
3: who's been in a tree for a thousand years <laughs> and who is teaching him how to do this is the one that should have warned him that this could happen. I agree. So I don't. I honestly don't blame Brand for it. Yeah, Brand will
1: blame himself, but I don't believe it's Brand's fault. I agree with Christiana. I, I think he has
0: some blame for bringing the the uh, Night King down on him, but he. I don't believe he has any blame for Hodor whatsoever because that wasn't necessarily even his session. You know, right. the Raven had to have started that session, and yeah. was there in the room with him. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't because mm. they had left the tree. But, anyways, yeah, I blame the old
3: guy for that, for Hodo. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's very clear that Bran made an enormous mistake with huge consequences, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's a mistake based on ignorance that he only was ignorant because he wasn't told. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, Staying when arrested, the person who did
3: know didn't tell him, that makes Bran's ignorance the Raven's fault. Yeah. And so it's you know, to, to be sure, Bran takes some actions. And and it's an interesting question too, given the whole reversed cause and effect thing of saying even if Bran deliberately had done to Hodor what he did, um, even though it's it's the way it all plays, it's a little, like he's not a hundred percent sure what's happening. Um like he's he's kind of reacting instinctively and not necessarily like oh i am planning hmm maybe if i do you know work into him here it will actually cause everything that has happened to hodor all along and blah 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 i don't think he like had had an intuitive understanding of it that way necessarily but even if he did like on the one hand it seems like kind of a horrible fate for hodor honestly um but uh at the same time, when we talk about this reverse cause and effect, it's like but if that's always how it happened, yeah. Could he have chosen anything else? He <laughs> kind of couldn't have because if if he hadn't done it, it's not just, oh well no one would be there to hold the door. Well, he wouldn't have gotten there. They needed Hodor all along. Yeah. And so it's it's it would have been a paradox if he hadn't done it. Yeah. Which makes time travel stuff weird. I love this stuff though. I <laughs> I love time travel stories. It's just it's yeah. some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. spec
4: Even if they make you cross-eyed. Well, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh that's- <laughs> uh, answering your question, yes, they're still doing Arrested Westeros. <laughs> they release a lot because well, Bran like, made a terrible mistake, made a huge mistake, <laughs> a huge <laughs> mistake. Uh, and I'm sure there's a that's why you always leave a note uh, <laughs> in there as well.
1: So do we want to just get to the dreaded, uh, the dreaded thing? Since we're yeah. we're almost an hour in, and just rip the bandaid off. Yeah, uh, we're so um, just about there.
0: Um, I want to say real fast the direwolves. I am so disappointed in direwolves.
1: I just.
0: That direwolf went out like a bitch and it's not fair. I mean, admittedly it was a gang of things. Like a hero. Yeah. (sighs) Just.
1: Summer was a hero. Summer ran into the fray Mm -hmm. and stopped enough of him so that they could get a little further down that damn hallway. Summer was a Mm -hmm. boss. Don't dare say otherwise. (laughs) That quarter of a second
0: made all the difference in the world.
1: It did. Yeah. Every, every, Every sacrifice made when Summer threw himself in, when Leaf threw herself in, and let herself get chewed up just so that thing would go off just a few seconds later and get more of them. Every sacrifice made made every difference. And it was just, I mean, it explains to me why. I mean, they've been doing it a lot, as Tooch knows. Last week with Reunited was my earworm. But the door was so much more than just Hodor's hold the door. There were so many characters mm-hmm. left in one way or another. It was just devastating, the yeah. whole episode. But um, I've kind of, when we saw Bran in there and amongst the white walkers and everything and then he got the hand brand and then they're getting ready to go and then there's this really, really sweet moment between Mira and Hodor where they're like, so what do you want? You want eggs? How oh, do no. you like them cooked? What about a mm-hmm. rasher of bacon? And they're just smiling and that's like the first genuine like, Hodor, mm-hmm. like, the, like oh yeah, I can almost taste it. But another, yeah. it was like when they did that, I was like, Mira's dead, they're going to totally kill Mira, that's it. They're, the mm-hmm. Night King's coming, they're taking their time, they're having this really awesome moment, someone's going to bite it. It's got to be Mira. Well, yeah, in some ways she's, you know, if anyone is expendable,
3: it seems like she would be expendable more than Hodor would be. Yeah. Um, Except that she
1: couldn't have held the door that long. Yeah.
3: Well, I just mean in terms of ongoing story.
1: Absolutely. You know,
3: because Hodor's the one that can carry Bran around. We have the established ability of Bran to warg into Hodor, and, like, so it just seems like... For storytelling, like they're they're almost gonna need to have some other character enter the story to sort of take over the responsibilities that Hodor was doing. And uh uh Nutty is laughing because uh from the books there is a character that uh we think might fill that role nicely. Um, shame
1: bell, shame bow, shame. It's, it's, say
3: anything. That's all we'll say. And it's a weird but it's a weird sense of uh would it be a spoiler or not because it's actually a character that would have showed up a long time ago if they were following the books. Which is and what I is.
1: like about the shame bell itself because it just means, okay, we're not talking about why <laughs> this might be a spoiler,
3: why it's not. So we're just anyway, <laughs> okay. But the point is that I agree with you. I yeah. would have guessed if one character was going to die, I would have guessed Mira before Hodor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not I mean I like Mira, so I didn't want her to either, but you know, I at know, the same but... time. Um but but I'll also complain a little bit about the episode in total of just saying that the the they dropped all the tension. We finished the previous scene with like, Oh my god, they're coming, you have to leave right now. Right. Cut to, what do you want for breakfast when we get back? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I mm-hmm. it there was the I really honestly even though there were some great moments in the episode the pacing and the the cutting felt very choppy to me very uneven.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I will well, agree with yeah, you there.
0: We're at ludicrous speed. There's no room. For
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yes. it's it, it's almost like it's out of order,
1: yeah. especially yeah. in that
4: instance, like that they put the scenes in different orders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. I
1: had. I wanted to ask you guys something else. Did you notice how, um, when um, so when he warged into the younger Willis and he's mm-hmm. on his back, did you notice that he does this thing with his arms and his feet? That he's done in like every time they've been under attack, and it's like the exact same thing that the actor Christian Nairn is mm-hmm. doing when he's got his back up against the door, holding it. He's flailing his arms like this, and he's kicking mm-hmm. his feet, and he's saying, "Hold it!" And it just gave me goosebumps because if you go oh, back yeah. to the, uh, when he when the when he and Jojen and Mir and Jojen was still alive, and and they were in that tower, and John was outside with the wildlings. And it just—he did that same. As soon as there was violence, he kind of just lost his shit and started saying Hodor and and doing like this rocking thing. Mm -hmm. It was like that echo of his experience and his childhood. It like totally broke his brain, but he remembered. He remembered why it was broken. You know, it was Mm -hmm. just, or at least he reverted back to this primal state. Oh, yeah. All of those old scenes where there had been battle and he just froze just totally, Mm -hmm. like, made sense to me. Plus, I just, oh. I mean,
3: honestly, like, the power of that very last sequence was enough for me to, like, when we talk about ratings, Mm -hmm. just that bumped it up to full points for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I proposed Emmys for both Christian Nairn and the young actor that played Young Hodor that they both needed to <laughs> that, get when yeah. this,
2: this the bullshit. Yeah.
1: I don't care Kevin Kevin Spacey, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. The the two of them, it was it was so beautifully done, it was excruciating and I chooch can tell you I was the first two times we watched it I had my covers over my eyes and going, La la, la I can't hear anything. Mm. Oh I yeah. When
0: we watched it live, <laughs> yeah. She, the first time and it had to mute she couldn't watch it and she couldn't hear it so i was watching it without any sound um and so and the second time with the sound and and that was just the voice was just chilling yeah. and the yeah so you know the subtle yeah
1: it was just uh yeah so
4: Adding on to what Viv was talking about, that to me is one of the reasons why this whole concept, the whole Hodor thing, okay? The whole Hodor thing, it's so crushing, heartbreakingly sad, but it's also so beautiful. Um, really he experienced his own death when he was a child, and he's known about this ever since then, and that's why every time things get violent, he like gets into that state, and that's why mm-hmm. he just can't do anything. And and you know he is this fragile, sensitive uh, human being, but his this traumatic event and and living with this your whole life, and then having that whole like freak the mighty relationship with Bran and knowing what this is happening. I mean, it's it's just it's heartbreaking. It's crushing. Mm. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Sunday night, I, you know, I didn't watch the episode live. Uh, Sheriff Bullock sent me a message, and he's like, "I'm so upset, but things are good. But it's so good." I'm like, "Okay." I haven't seen anything yet. He goes, "I know. That's why I just told you. I'm so upset." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." So I was like, "All right." Then I logged onto Facebook, and I saw tr- in the trending, and it was like, "Oh, crow, people are getting upset about Game of Thrones. I better watch this right yeah. away." Right. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed up and I watched it. And I
1: finished the episode in tears. Hmm. I was sobbing. Bereft I, is a good word for hmm? what we're going through. I think bereft. <laughs>
4: yeah. Is I a good had word for what we're feeling. No expectation of this at all. Like I knew Hodor said Hodor for a reason. I knew that there was something we were gonna find out. Yeah. Like I just knew this in my bones. But I had no idea. And um I don't want to get too maudlin, but this was the second time this season that I just really wanted to talk to PJ.
2: Yeah. Mm.
4: And uh, it was good. It was good. And then I stayed and I listened, and this whole Hodor thing is George R. R. Martin confirmed. Yeah.
3: So. Um, Paulette has a comment saying, still if Game of Thrones doesn't get the Emmy for best editing for this one scene, I will be very upset. It was a masterful sequence spanning not only multiple characters but even multiple times. Um, I agree about the scene, although I do have mixed feelings because typically they award the editing for a whole episode, not for just one sequence. Yeah. And I definitely don't think the whole episode deserves it. I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> see where they spent at. their time.
3: <laughs> yeah, because um, and <laughs> I mean, not that it's even necessarily on the um, episode directors um head for the other parts just because the story gets broken um you know as as a group thing. So if they're basically saying, nope, these are the things that you need to cover, then there's only so much you can do sometimes. But I think the editing, yes, in that final sequence was amazing. The rest of it not as much. Um, and in particular, just that the one that I mentioned where we cut away from Bran and Mira and the Raven with Oh my God, they're coming. You have to leave. There's not time to teach you everything, but I'm going to give you a new vision right now. But then when we cut back, all of, us, all of that tension seems to have just evaporated. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we're happy that we're going home now. And even though it builds up again, it just felt like this real drop in the tension for no reason that I could tell. That se- ta- discussion about breakfast should have been earlier in the episode. Just yeah. I think, yeah. throw you off. Yeah. Um yeah. Um yeah. Uh, the one I, thing I, it's I w- not even that I didn't like the scene, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um one thing I was thinking about working Into the Past So in say season one, when Bran would see a three eyed raven, was that the three eyed raven? like in the future or somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. I'm wondering like how would do would we perceive them, which made me think, how did Bran or how did Hodor see Bran? You know? Mm-hmm. Was he another creature or was he did he look like Bran? I don't know. Or did he not yeah. see him at all? I mean
3: It's a really interesting question. There's a lot of unanswered questions in, in that regard and just the reveal that in theory, you can actually influence the past, but not in a way where anything will seem different to you mm-hmm. because um it it's almost like you have to make sure that the past happens or it won't, right, yeah, but otherwise it's you're you're essentially taking action to preserve your timeline as you know it
2: mm-hmm.
3: um in order to have the future that you want, yeah. but you can't. Uh, well, you know, we don't, we don't know, but just introducing that, that possibility confirmation that the ink is not dry in quite the same way that the three-eyed Raven implied that it was. Yeah.
0: And in my mind, I think I'm opposite of Nutty. Uh, it's not as poetic, but in my mind, young Willis has the seizure and then, you know, he was obviously slowing down and comes out of it. I think he would would have blacked out, and he's just simple Hodor for the rest of his life now, and has no idea what happened or what will happen, and seems pretty happy most of the time, mm-hmm. except when there's some crazy violence, and he, you know, he seizes yeah. up. But um, in my mind, he's just a ha He, you know, lives his simple, happy existence, and I, has no I, recollection of it.
1: I really hope that's true, but. Um, as he is, I think, quite skilled at doing Christian Nairn. I think it was in the previous, I think it was in episode four, where Bran first sees Willis young and talking about, he knows how to take down Benjen, his tells when he's about to attack. Um, And when he comes out of it, he looked at him and he said, I saw you as a boy, you used to talk, what happened? And just the weight, Hodor, you know, just like the weight Kind of like, it was Hodor, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like, this is what happened. And I mean, I don't know if that means, it was a lot to read into it, just Hodor being said, Mm -hmm. but there seemed to be a lot of weight behind it, like he did remember. And I really believe, because I have to watch it three or four times before we podcast about it, and I it, every time it looked to me like Willis looked directly at Bran and saw him there, and then warped, and then his eyes went back in his head. And so, mm. whether he remembers it clearly or not, whether seeing Bran grow up has supplanted or over has overwritten what his memory remembers of what Bran looked like later, you know, I think that it was to me it was a little confusing the way they shot the last scene because it was Mira dragging Bran off and Hodor holding the door Mm -hmm. and they kept showing, like I went back through my pictures and there were like three pictures of just white out snow and then I realized that it was Hodor seeing that Mira and Bran were out of sight. Mm -hmm. He saw that he held the door. Yeah. He held, for the rest of his life he held the door and it gave them time to escape. And so on some level I hope that he doesn't remember that at all from his forehead. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I hope that he realizes the weight of what his sacrifice really was, you know? It's hard
3: to know, but kind of like Chooch I had interpreted it not that he remembered like he knew all along he was gonna have to do this, as much as I feel like or at least the way I interpreted it, was that the seizure essentially just makes him into the person that he's going to need to be in order to do that when the time comes. And that includes, specifically, avoiding fighting so that he doesn't get himself hurt or killed in a way that will prevent him from being able to do what he needs, you know, get where he needs to go, so to speak. Um, But, yeah, so at least... My take on it is that if there's a sadness or a weight there, and there might be, it might just be in the sense of realizing that he had lost something without necessarily understanding why or how or even what exactly. But he does seem to be aware that he's not like other people anymore and maybe he even remembers that he used to be you know may and he he certainly seems to understand when people speak to him just fine and so it may even be that it, like to some degree he's i don't want to say trapped exactly but it may just be like he's still more or less coherent inside and just can't say any other words but he does also seem like he's more simple than even what he was before and so it always it it what it seemed to me like was that he didn't like remember or know exactly but that he is maybe aware that he did lose something something happened and he's not the same anymore but i don't i don't know it's 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 hard to know and we may never get a more Definitive answer. Yeah, yeah. probably won't.
4: It, it, it If we wanted to talk scientifically, it appears to me scientifically what had happened is that when Bran wargs into him, he's kind of warging into him in two times and connecting the two somehow. Mm-hmm. And that created the seizure, which created a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. And so he has a bit of aphasia where he can, I think that's the word, where he can only say one word, but it means different things. Like, I mean, even when they're talking about the eggs, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you like eggs? Hodor, You know, and he has mm-hmm. different inflection for everything, but he can understand everything, so there's that. And mm-hmm. that the traumatic brain injury, you know, it, it changed the way his brain works, but he's still the same person yeah. kind of a thing. And um, it's just like burned imprint into his brain mm-hmm. and that's all that yeah. comes out now. And, and Yeah you know scientifically speaking I mean that's something I can understand you know (laughs) and Uh, yeah so to the extent that he knew anything I feel like
3: at least to me it didn't seem like he knew all along that this exact thing was going to happen but I think when the time came and she's yelling to him to hold the door and he understands why they would need to hold the door there might have been a sort of crystallization of realizing, like this is my purpose. This yeah. is what I was always meant to scared. do.
1: He looked yeah. very brave. He, it was like you're saying. It's like he was mm-hmm. like, nope. This is what this is what that's all about. And I have to hold the door.
4: <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just wishing this. Um, Brynn wasn't warped into him when he was actually holding the door,
1: right? His eyes were not rolled back in his head.
3: Yeah. Okay. Um, well, okay, it's I feel like it's complicated because yeah. we never actually see Bran come out of the past vision. Right. But there's also a brief moment where it seems like Hodor is being warged into. Like when he's yeah. first cowering, then yeah. he stands up to help start pushing the yeah. cart. Right. That looks at first like Bran is warging, but then when we cut to Bran, he's still in the past vision. Yeah. And so it's not a hundred percent clear what's happening. It may be that Bran is kind of working into both or it may just sort of be the change that Bran makes catching up and that's when Hodor starts to understand what's happening Mm -hmm. and that what he's going to have to do.
1: I kinda my notes I said he got warging in his green sight and green sight in his warging. And it just <laughs> looks like he just like yeah. crossed the stream somehow, you know? So mm, this see. may just have no water at all, but
4: it just occurred to me like it could also be that Willis was brought into Hodor's head. Hmm. And the skills and clarity that he had it as a boy.
0: Exactly. Oh, Exactly. Interesting. That's, that's what I had as my note. So essentially Hodor or so essentially yeah. Willis is working Hodor and that's when Bran was still watching the past, but he stepped out of the loop that sealed. That's the loop.
4: Hmm. Damn. Chooch. When you say it, it holds a lot more water. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. The idea that sort of,
3: uh, yeah, yeah. I, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like that. i.
4: Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to even feel better about <laughs> like the Brand, whole experience.
3: Yeah. Brand, so maybe Brand just sort of acted like a conduit, mm-hmm. so to yeah. speak, to allow young Willis to inhabit his, his older body and do what needed to be done. Yeah.
4: Oh, so many theories going to be, be forming now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
3: mean, a lot of it's kind of deliberately ambiguous in a way that yeah. we don't fully... Um, know exactly what happened, but
4: uh yeah. but yeah,
3: woof wow. boy so I think we
0: cleared cleared all that up, right? We, we I have <laughs> one
4: thing, uh, just one last thing, call me Columbo. um, mm-hmm. so leaf takes the spear stamp stabs one of the white walkers. it doesn't work, it is- picks up the same staff, thrusts
0: it in. And it works. Oh, it was the same one. I didn't get that. Yeah, I assumed one had I, dragon
3: glass and one didn't. See, um. i I thought that what I mean you may you may be onto something, but at least on my my viewing of it, mm-hmm. I thought that what was being communicated is that leaf stabbed and it didn't penetrate the armor that it was wearing. Okay, it stabbed him like in the chest, but then. Mira threw it and it hit him like in the neck. And that
4: and could be. It. That could be.
3: I. That's like I said. I wasn't watching it that carefully to be sure that that's what was happening. But as as it was progressing, that's that was my take. Because yeah. it's certainly true in the books, and they establish this that the uh, the dragging, the dragon glass weapons are not a cure all because they're very brittle. And yep. if you try to use them on like plate armor, it will just shatter them.
4: Yeah. So
3: it's, that's it's, why the, dra- the Valyrian steel is the way to go there.
4: Exactly, but it's it's interesting to think about that that just one little thing, but mm, uh, it yeah. could just be the physics of where they were stabbing or. It, could maybe mean something yeah. more? I don't know. Well, it could.
3: I mean, there might be something to that. Since we learned in this case that they were created by the children, you could argue that would that mean that the weapons don't work the same way when wielded by the children?
4: I also wonder if, because they were created by the children, maybe the children need humans <laughs> to kill them for them because they can't kill their own creations. Hmm. I'll be
1: honest. When I saw that it looked like a dragon dragonglass... Um, whatever that shard was going in, I just assumed, well, I guess Dragonglass isn't going to work on the Knight's King or any of the, his... You know, because there's yeah. always got, like, a, a certain group of them around him. So I don't the know if Craster's maybe the Dragonglass that Leap had didn't kill him, but the Valerian steel that Mira might have had did kill him because he's, like, of a higher mm-hmm. order. Of, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for sure.
0: Yeah, I saw um, Tibby in one of part of the feedback had mentioned a theory that I think, I don't know that it's necessarily spoilery, but it doesn't hold water for me because, you know, Sam used the spear and he's presumably mm. not super special other than he's awesome. Mm. He's just a regular man from the South, you know?
3: Yeah. yeah yeah I don't think there's been any implication that certain people are able to use the weapons in way like yeah. i think yeah but uh so but at least in this sequence i i i might it might be interesting to rewatch that sequence just with this in mind specifically, but I thought that it was really just that she was unable to penetrate the armor but at the same time if that's really all they were trying to show they kind of made a sort of sig- significant shot of it
2: yeah of like
3: why bother showing her try and fail
2: yeah
3: yeah it seems like a significant like they wanted it to be significant in some way and if all that it was is like oh she tried it on the armor and it didn't work
1: i don't know i can't tell i, I can't i really truly can't tell from the pictures that i took because mm-hmm. it was such a close up battle in such a dark blue place. Yeah. Wow. Well,
0: let's let's rewind back to the beginning of the episode. Um,
1: yeah.
0: It's nine twenty two. So Sansa <laughs> receives a letter from Baelish. It has oh. that 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 birdie emblem on there.
2: Mm-hmm. And so you mm-hmm. know,
0: where's down? Um Unfortunately, I. I don't have any of the audio drops, obviously. I would have done a few earlier. But um, So she goes to see Baelish, uh, bringing Brienne along, of course. For a moment, it looks like she might have gone alone, but we know she's not quite that stupid. And wondering, you know, um, um, how is this going to go? And clearly, she was not going to let him off easy, and I loved her. How- mm-hmm. She kept pressing him, and even though he was so mm-hmm. clearly uncomfortable, kept pressing and kept pressing. Mm-hmm. And I think like one of the the real core things of the scene is when she says, "You know, if you didn't know you're an idiot, and if you knew you're a monster,
1: you're, right. you're my enemy." Yeah, yeah. yes, since you're my enemy, which oh, is even worse. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
4: I love. I love Sansa in this entire thing. Like I am so happy and I think this is one of those scenes that they're that they're talking about when they say uh it's the season of women um mm-hmm. because she really uh, owned her power here. I I love that she didn't make him hear it. She made him say yeah what he did. She made him, she put all of the uncomfortableness on him. She did not let him uh, hide behind politeness and courtesy, mm-hmm. and
1: that to me was just
4: so outstanding.
1: Yeah, yeah. To I me, mean, it was pure Catelyn. <laughs> it was. It just reminded me so much of Cat and the fire that came out in her. That fiery redhead stuff that we saw come out of Cat when uh, Ned was in trouble. Yeah and so
3: he almost uh in 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 hindsight by teaching her as much as he did about the way he operates he ultimately it's backfiring a little bit here because mm-hmm. she is totally uh on to him you know yeah. it's like she is uh, sh- she is basically the one who knows that what he's trying to do is to use polite euphemisms um, in order to try to assuage himself of, well, yes, it's unfortunate what happened to you. Mm -hmm. I'm very sorry. Mm -hmm. But let's move on to where you're helping me again. Yeah. And she's basically saying, no, that's not what's happening right here. Um, And, in fact, I'm going to – it's a little bit like with the letter last week – where John tries to say, oh, well, and the rest is the same. And she's like, no, it's not. It's not the same. And let's let's not try to, let's not pretend that doesn't happen and it's right. not happening and it didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so by forcing him to say it and getting really specific, um, it, you know, it's basically, it's, she knows that he did know. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he's telling the truth when he says he underestimated a stranger. But even that is like, okay, maybe he didn't realize quite how bad it would be. But it does sound like he was not, you know, he was maybe not even not concerned, but that part of the plan was to then use his mistreatment of her as a way to lobby others to retake Winterfell. At okay. which point he's thinking, I get to be the one who comes in mm-hmm. and saves the day. And so the fact that she actually got out before he could do something about it is a little bit like, oh, well, shoot. I, was, I wanted to be the one to go in there and save her from that. But now not only did she get out without me, but she is onto me and what I did. And um but it's it's interesting because it's it gets really complex as we talk more about Sansa's later scenes. Because on the one hand, yes, I believe that he did know, and it was probably you know, whether or not he had a full understanding of how bad Ramsey was, because let's let's be honest too, even if someone has a reputation that Peter knows about, Ramsey's kind of a breed apart, you know what I mean it's like it's one thing to think that oh yeah he's he's rough, he does bad things to people, and he'll he'll mistreat her. It's another thing entirely to fully grasp how much of a monster he is. Um, So it may be that he did underestimate Ramsey in that sense. But given that, okay, I'm kind of rambling, I think, at this point. The point (laughs) is, as awful as what he did is, Sansa is really not in a position to be turning away an army that can help her.
1: Yes. I think it's less about that and more about taking some of her power back from him because he got her out of King's Landing and she just wants to make it clear that she is not beholden to him for anything and she can't trust him now and she's going to be okay whether it's believable or not. I agree that
3: that's her motivation but my point is I think that she even knows that as much as she doesn't want anything to do with him her larger goal of retaking Winterfell they need people; they need an army, and here he is offering her one he does she doesn't want to trust him, and she has reason not to trust him, but she is also not solely dependent on him anymore any either and to and the fact that she lies to John, yeah, is I think the telling moment of she knows that he would want to use the Knights of the Veil vale to support their effort if she told him.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: John, that is. So John would want to use them if Santa told John about their availability. And she doesn't mm-hmm. want to deal with that. She doesn't right. want to have to deal with Littlefinger. And that's why she lies. But I think that if she really, I think if it was about like, like it's, it's, Good storytelling in that I completely understand why she would make that decision, but ultimately I think the problem is she is also on a mission where they explicitly need soldiers.
1: So can we do an age check? How old is she at this point? Because we're assuming that she has a lot of knowledge and skills and like the ability to foresee a need and then act maturely about it. What's her age at this point? Is she 17, 18, 15? Who knows? <laughs> I think, I think it's a lot there. to expect for her to be able to be able to get over her pain and over all of the betrayal that she feels by him oh, and yeah. just say, Oh yeah, sure, line up your I mean, I think she's having a temper tantrum because the person that she had left to trust mm-hmm. sent her to a flayer and a rapist. Yeah.
3: No, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not judging her or thinking that she like I totally get where she's coming from. I understand how she feels and why she doesn't want to deal with him. But the problem is she kind of can't really have it both ways.
1: Which is why I asked for the age check. I think she's young and she's,
0: she, cause look what she says when she's in that meeting, the North is different. They'll come rally. And it's not till Davos comes and backs and says, you know, I know people I know soldier. you know, and so I think it's, it's her naivete that she is young and she's yes. a little naive and yeah. that and maybe she things aren't free. as solid as she thinks they are. And mm-hmm. I think that he, Davos also doesn't understand the North. And so I think more houses would come over than they suspect. But so she's kind of half right, half wrong, you know, mm-hmm. she is right, but still naive.
4: Yeah. I, I agree a lot with what Christiana said, but I think her keeping, um, Peter, Hidden from John is actually in the reverse. I think she's not telling John about Peter because if she told John the whole story, John would kill him. And so I think yeah. that she's keeping him a secret so she still has access to that army. Mm. That's the that's that, that's the only reason that I, I could figure winning. out that she would be because to me, not telling John about Peter is more. It felt like she was protecting him. It could be what Christiana said, that 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 she doesn't want to have to deal with him and she thinks that Jon will make her deal with him. But I I, I took it the, like, the other way. I thought that she was keeping it a secret because she wasn't yeah. discarding that option.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't going to stress over it because I figure we'll get more information <laughs> next week. <laughs> I didn't I mean, rate
0: it as a total shutdown of Baelish. So yeah. I guess maybe that's a disconnect. That-
1: I. I read
3: it as exactly a total shutdown of Baelish, which is not to say she couldn't yeah. change her mind, but it she was basically saying, Leave now or I will kill you and I never want to see you again. Those were that's what yes, she said.
1: That's what she yes. said. But he was successful like he usually is in getting his message across. Mm-hmm. The army you're relying on is your brothers, your half-brother, yeah. which has that little mockingbird effect, which makes mm-hmm. her repeat this information that he wants John to have. So I suspect the information, because we only have it from Baelish, and that because it was well, delivered yeah. in a way that would make her repeat it to John, with or without a back background story that would make him believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would probably not trust it as much, if he didn't think that it was by Raven coming to Ramsey, mm-hmm. if it was just some guy that let Sansa go off and get ripped and flayed by Ramsey, he might have a second, he might give pause to just agreeing that there's actually an army at River Run.
3: Right, well, well so I, I want to I come back to that in, in a moment, but just in terms of why she lies to Jon, it's possible and we may get more information, but to my mind, it 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 can't be about protecting Baelish it, or wanting to hold on to that because she thinks John because she doesn't have to tell John everything. She could say, "Hey, guess what? Littlefinger told me that he's got the Knights of the Vale and they can come help us." And John yeah. will say, "Really? What's up with that?" And she'll say, "Oh, you know, he likes me. He wants to help." She doesn't have to tell him everything. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I I think that if it, it, I I can't, the only thing that makes any sense to me, and and again, I may be proven wrong, but the only thing that makes sense to me is simply that she hates Littlefinger so much, and for good reason, that she does not want to risk any chance of having to ever deal with him again. Even though what he has to offer now is something that she and John actually do really need. And she is just from an emotional basis. And again, I'm not, I'm not attacking that she mm-hmm. has good reason to feel this way, mm-hmm. but she is making this decision something that is a big strategy decision that she is making just on the basis of. I don't want to deal with this guy. She yeah. is turning away an army because she doesn't like this guy, and again it's there's there's I'm, I don't mean to cut you off I'm just i that's that's what makes sense to
1: me.
4: Well it, it could be I love having lots of different theories. I mean heck what's called we call this site specficmedia.com. You know, spec is for speculative. So uh, I I love having all the different theories and the different mm-hmm. options and it'll be interesting to watch it unfold.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
2: She um... Oh,
4: and on a purely superficial level, um I've been noticing this like all season. Sansa's eyebrows are just pristine. They are on point. They are just perfect. <laughs> just completely superficial. Had to mention it. <laughs> I couldn't help but stare at her eyebrows in this scene. So,
0: Yeah, I think it may be a sexist thing for me that thinking that she left him hanging, that she didn't completely flat out deny him because like she denied Brienne and she came back. And it seems to me like she expects people to come back. Um and And wants to do it indeed on her own, wants to do it with John's army and all that. I think she believes that big question is is Baelish lying even about blackfish you know yeah, agreed. Um, that's my We know he went to take a piss, didn't come back, so there could yeah. be an army there couldn't there might not be an army they may go there, and it's, an, it's another trap. I mm-hmm. think Baelish is a true sociopath or probably psychopath. You know, that he has no empathy and that she is just a a piece on the board. And he has familiarity with her and the whole connection to Catelyn and all that. But, you know, he doesn't necessarily care about. And I think he expected her to be the dumb little girl and he was coming to the rescue Mm -hmm. and that he would just be able to talk his way out of it. And he did not expect her to come at him like that. Or at least you know, he could smooth it over and didn't yeah. expect her to stick to her guns like that. that yeah. was he this
4: was
1: plan. totally blown away. He was totally yeah.
4: surprised by her reaction. Yeah. But
1: he was surprised. I end, but I think he remembers Catelyn really well. So I don't know if he was totally surprised. I think mm-hmm. this was possibly one of the possibilities that he was ready for. Yeah. Uh, Chucha, I gotta ask you, are, yeah. were you saying
4: that basically Sansa was saying I can't be with you Right now? Yeah. <laughs> the whole How I Met Your Mother thing. There's a whole episode <laughs> about that, about how, you know, it's like, I can't be with you right now. <laughs> and, and, and you leave the string behind you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, the um, other
0: thing, when she says, uh, probably reading too much into it, when she talks about what Ramsey, blah, 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 I can still feel it, not like, you know, in my heart, but standing here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Baby?
4: Oh, dude.
0: Is that hopefully
3: not. too much into it, it? I mean, I don't, I don't know that one necessarily means the other, but at the same time, it's not impossible.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, hopefully not cause that would be awful, That's but, totally um, icky. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I will say about, uh, the, the prospect of, um, blackfish at river run is, um, uh so there something that happens has already happened before this point in the books, and I'm not sure that this would really even qualify as a possible spoiler because I could really see them go either way but the the information that Littlefinger passes on about River Run is very similar to something that does happen in the books. But at the same time, given where we are in the story right now, I could totally see this being something he just makes up to mess with her, maybe leave her overextended and therefore needing his army at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see that happen either. Hard to say. But, yeah, I think – uh um you know we we have a a lot more episode to discuss so maybe we should move move along
0: yeah Yeah. uh last thing here is uh so with the war camps we get some more fun with Mm. dormant and i want to see this go okay i don't want to see him do the deed not necessarily i mean having them together would be great but what i want to see is him getting more and more ridiculous i want to see him coming out bare chested and lifting weights and you know like really wooing her and just plumage, or maybe thinking, oh, she's a lady, so he brings a tea set. I don't know. I want to see him go way <laughs> ridiculous with it.
2: I want to see him really work.
4: No, she's a lady, so he brings a tea set. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love the whole thing with Brienne and Tormund. There is one last thing about the discussion uh, where Davos is saying, uh, you know. I know men and Sansa says, but they'll follow the Starks. And he looks at John and he goes, he's not a Stark. And she goes, but I am. And all of a sudden my head, I went, Oh no, are they going to have John marry Sansa? Because <laughs> 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 then he'd be a Stark. <laughs> and, and we know brothers and sisters can marry each other and they think not. they're half siblings. No. And
1: I don't think we anyway, are going to go anywhere near that. Please, one of the
4: ugly speculations that popped into my head and I'm like, <laughs> And, and we know from uh, editor's notes um, that, that originally there was supposed to be, like, a romance between John and Aria and oh, okay. But that's yeah. – yeah. I know, okay. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Shame, in shame, right shame, off. shame. Stop and talk about something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm just saying these are the ideas that came in my head, yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, no.
3: I, I yeah. think, oh, no. I, think, I don't think that's yeah. even close to possible.
0: So they head out, we get uh, uh, Ed continuing the, I'm not the Lord, uh fuck it, mm-hmm. <laughs> close the yeah. damn
3: gate.
1: Just There's like 10 tired. of
0: them left.
1: They're too yeah. tired for another damn vote, I think. They're just mm-hmm. like, here, you do it, and who else? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. and don't you just love that it's Ed? Of all I mean, of them that came mm-hmm. when John came, of all of them for Ed to be the one standing at the end, holding the gates at, at Castle Black, I just freaking love that so much.
4: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Ed's sword is not um long or No, John has it. Yeah. yeah. Well that was a big discussion we had, I think, last week. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, they yeah, showed that. that they
1: showed that at the beginning but, of the episode yeah. when Sansa gave him the thing. Yeah. Honestly was there.
3: one throwaway line in this episode made me okay with that whole thing, honestly. Um I wasn't even aware of the transition, but I just realized that I was suddenly okay with it. When he made the point we can't fight the white walkers from the north and the boltons from the south. We need to have yeah. winterfell as a base of operations. And then I was like, "Oh, okay. All right. I'm okay then." <laughs> I mean, I'm like that's all I needed. <laughs> that's a good point. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Very good point. Let's uh, head over to Bravos. Got more Arya training. She's mm-hmm. clearly getting much better at staff combat but clearly a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great scene, great choreography here. I love the-
3: Yeah, uh, I love the fight. I want to just go on record, though, as complaining that apparently the whole big deal they made at the end of whatever that other episode was about, like, oh, if a so girl is truly no one, then drinking the water will have no effect, and then she drank it, and then it's like, uh, apparently it really just did nothing because she doesn't seem any different at all. Yeah. In fact, she seems more like Arya now than she did in that previous episode hmm. i i agree with that I'm not disappointed I don't want her to not be Arya.
1: <laughs> sister no i agree um I think that she did good in the battle because when she was walking when the waif was walking away from her, she hopped up like a like a freaking ninja and kept fighting
3: yeah so, although that's also when the waif Said, "Oh, okay, that's how it is. Let me just yeah. beat the crap out of you without even using my stick."
1: Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm agreeing with you that we're seeing Arya's fire again, and 100%. And um, later, well, I guess I don't know if we're gonna talk about it now, but uh, the next thing is uh, with her and um, Jack and Hagar, mm-hmm. yeah. and where they have like that test, and he tells. That uh, Lady Crane is the next target. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much did you guys love and hate that freaking play that Arya went to watch? Uh, well, let's
0: actress. talk about that in a second. Um, I think we may have mixed because I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, what's that?
1: Just said sorry.
0: Oh, um, uh, well, the combat. um <laughs> I was thinking about the waif and thinking that this is actually like uh Jack and another person or possibly a whole group of people. And it's like good cop, bad cop. So that the waif is just, you know, a face that somebody wears and it's not necessarily always the same person. And it could be sometimes the person we think of Jack in or whatever, mm-hmm. but so much of it seems to be where like, christiana said a few episodes back how it doesn't seem to be that you truly are nobody but that just that you can convince other people that you you know really are
2: mm-hmm.
0: um so Disception. i don't know yeah i don't know that it would be yeah. as important to have the concept of it being a group of people you know <clears throat> maybe it would be an interesting thing but yeah I don't, I'm tor- I don't waste their time on it. <laughs> Sorry.
3: I'm torn with the whole idea of the faceless men because on the one hand, he seems really straightforward about this being an uh, absolute one hundred percent part of their whole philosophy that is just that's how it works. And in fact the idea that like these masks, like the magic that they represent really like if you aren't no one inside, they'll just drive you crazy. And it's you can only swap around them if you really don't have a central identity that would be disrupted. Um, Wait,
2: like it, Echo? go. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
3: but the idea too, like, is, at the same time, I, I'm I'm frustrated that they made such a big deal of the drinking the water when it doesn't seem to have had any effect. That's annoying. But at the same time, again, like, I don't want Arya to become no one. I want her to be Arya inside. I want her to become. A badass fighter, and then leave and still be Arya. Only now as a badass fighter. Well, the drinking the water gave her, her sight back, right? It did, but he took it from the well that's supposed to kill people when they come to. Yeah, I to thought kill that was dogs. just
0: her leap of faith that
3: it was. But like the implication is that somehow there's a magic where it's. Only if she is truly no one mm-hmm. will it give her her sight back instead of killing her.
0: Yeah, and that's where and like, I think she's more of Arya now because she clearly didn't die, so she passed the mm-hmm. test. So she can be herself essentially as long as she's able to hide
3: mm-hmm. it. I, yeah, I mean, you might be right. It's just I feel like if the whole thing is – like even though it was kind of my idea, it was like if the whole thing <laughs> just leads up to – Jocen suddenly going, Oh hey, are you congratulations, you totally passed the test. We we have a diploma for you printing in the other room. My name is actually Jerry Stevens and you know <laughs> it's just it's you, you figured out our whole trick is that we're just pretending. Like I I don't know if I would be happy with that outcome, you know.
2: <laughs> Very true
3: um because honestly i had always kind of assumed that she was ultimately in order to escape this place going to have to fight her way out mhm um but uh, i don't know, i don't know for sure cuz it it seems like they're kind of trying to have it both ways a little bit but this episode definitely has arya more like herself which i hope continues
0: totally what did you hate about the play Viv?
4: Sorry before you go to the play. Yeah. Uh just um when she's talking to Jacques and there's the whole thing about um that the people that founded the house of the undying they were slaves they were essentially no one so they truly became no one they became ninjas you know ninjas were assassins that nobody could see and it wasn't so much that they were super super stealthy or sneaky it's that you know the concept was it was you know, the maids, it was the unseen people that were killing people when, when you think about the ninjas and how things are actually done. They weren't wearing black pajamas, they were wearing ser- servants' clothes. So these people were marginalized in their life, and then that became their order. And I just thought that was really poetic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so let's move on to the play.
3: Mm. Interesting. Uh, I don't I don't have a lot to say about the play necessarily. I thought it was amusing but went on for too long. Like I, I honestly thought that it could have um it you could have cut out about half of that and it would have been fine. Yeah. Um uh the one actual thing that I really took away from it that seems potentially significant from a story perspective other than just showing us more of Arya being herself in the sense that she's laughing at you know Robert and Joffrey doing stuff but then when Ned shows up she doesn't like it anymore like that's definitely meant to show us that she's still Arya inside but the idea that the first of all in this play the version of the play it's it's directly suggested that Joffrey was going to let Ned go and it would only, he was only executed because Tyrion paid off the Executioner. Mm -hmm. And then we have what Arya may not have ever heard about is the idea that, um, well, no, I take that back. I'm trying to remember when that all happened. The idea that Tyrion and Sansa were married. like, Would Arya have ever heard about that? Mm -hmm. Because it didn't happen until after the Hound left King's Landing, right? So he couldn't have told her. So she might not know, and so this might be new information for her. That's kind of how it comes across. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: And so the idea that, like, even if she knows this is a silly version of the play, if it is suggesting to her that Tyrion is responsible for her dad getting executed and that Tyrion married Sansa and maybe did awful things to her, might Arya be... Adding Tyrion to the list in an yeah. unjustified like we know that it's not true, but how would Arya not? How would Arya know that it's not true?
0: Right. I yeah, I kind of see her storyline turning into like Chekhov's gun. They're turning into a super assassin, mm-hmm. and she's on the mantle, and she's going to go off at some point, And who's she going to be pointed at? <laughs> you know, it's yep. got to be a super high value conflict target. Not necessarily politically valuable, but definitely, you know, emotionally valuable. Um, Yeah. yeah.
4: I can't imagine her side plot is just a big waste. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that we're just wasting our time with Arya. The thing about the play for me was, I mean, yeah, Arya's basically experiencing what she saw from the crowd, which, you know, sucks for her but she's also looking around at the crowd, and what we're seeing in the play is what the general public actually believes happened. And what the general public believes about everyone involved in this game, because they're not seeing the inside like we are. And Arya's seeing how the general public sees everything. And that to me, the, the whole point of this play may be that it's going to motivate her to be Aria or Mm. something or to kill someone or do something I don't know but it it seems like it's a lot more than just oh this is a really funny thing and let's reference Shakespeare (laughs) Um, Mm. is Viv back?
3: I don't
0: think so she'll probably say something when she gets back
3: okay Um, but I, I agree that uh, it all seems very – like, because first of all, the the idea that he's sending her to kill this actress that's in this play seems directly connected to the way of saying, oh, you're losing because you're still Arya. You're still mm. Lady Stark. And so this it's weird, first of all, because he's making it a big deal of like, oh, we don't get to pick. You know, a price has been paid. But at yet, and yet, it's like, oh, well, is it just a coincidence that it's this play? Because he seems like, you know, it it that may not be uh, anything. It might just be a coincidence because Arya does certainly suspect that the younger, jealous actress might be the one who would be willing to, to do this. So there might not be anything more to that other than Jack and deciding... Yes that is the one that we should give to Arya for this reason but without it there being any more to the selection like he's not it's not a setup or anything Right mm. um but it is just an interesting ongoing question of you know what is this going to mean especially since you know despite the involvement in the in the play and Arya is suggesting that she has some hesitation or at least enough to question why why this woman she doesn't seem bad you know and he's like well it's not about whether she's bad or not someone paid that's how it works um and it's the many-faced god that decides these things um you know do you know do only bad people get killed it's like and and she's like no but i i'm also thinking like in my head it's like yeah but that. It's supposed to be a bad thing, like we we're not supposed to like it. You know, the fact that yes, good people die sometimes means it's okay to kill them.
2: Yeah. Uh, All right.
3: But uh, it's I don't know. I mean, I there was a lot of stuff in that play that I felt like you it was interesting, but I don't know. It felt like it went on
4: a long time for me. So, Chooch, you like the play, yes? Yeah.
0: I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was great to see the perspective of, you know, what the... I don't know that it's necessarily this is what the public believes, but at least these are the rumors that are out there, right? Or I guess it it kind of becomes the the lore since it's probably going to get passed on. Um, But that Ned is basically a bumbling idiot because he kind of was, right? (laughs) He kind of (laughs) did fall into this thing. (laughs) Um, for mm. correct reasons, he wasn't, you know, yeah. that kind of bumbling fool, but still, um, yeah, I just, I thought from that perspective, it was really amusing and certainly comic relief with the, the bowel problems. And, and, yeah, I thought it was just great to have this condensed telling of season one.
3: <laughs> I, I did also enjoy though, the, the idea that what we're also seeing is, uh, the the rumor version of what happened. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this play's version of Ned does say, I don't want to just be Joffrey's hand, I want the Iron Throne for myself. Um, and there is the implication that Tyrion was really the one responsible for the execution and a lot of these other things happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: But, you know... <laughs> Um, I like, uh, Paulette put a a comment in the QA, and I had to mute myself before because I was laughing so hard. Uh, Paulette says, all the play needed to be perfect was a dog in it. As we all know, every play needs a dog.
0: (laughs) I don't think I got that reference.
4: It's from Shakespeare in Love. It's uh, one of the comedic elements, Yeah. (laughs) Who was gotcha. it that kept wanting to put the dog in? I can't remember. Anyway, somebody who's like, well, what about the dog? We need to have a dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about we have a King's Moot? Oh, yeah. yeah. We have a uh, head over to Pike. Yara making the big speech. This is the big moment. Theon standing up for her and clinches. Seems like they're really knocking it out of the park until Uncle Yaron shows up and fully embraces it. That yeah, it was him.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, and basically, just like as soon as he shows up, it's like, no, it's it's this is not how you know. It, it like Yara really never had a chance once once he shows up. Yeah, um, it's it's like, uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he just so clearly uh, has a better argument in in his favor than Yara does. I mean, we think Yara is great, but honestly, for those people, Euron is, of course, who they would pick. Um, for like, and like everything he says it is just like that's. I, I'm briefly tempted to make a Trump analogy, but then I'm gonna <laughs> back away from that. Um, uh, but uh, the the point is that really all she had going was like this idea of um, my dad kept trying to get us into land wars and what we should do is be going to sea and then he just basically says the same thing plus I know where we should actually go with this fleet and I'm the one that did something about Balon screwing everything up.
4: Yeah, yeah, And she's a woman. Yeah, I, I was yeah. going to say it's like I'm going to say the same exact thing but I have a penis. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I like, and i know what i'm gonna do with it
3: yeah <laughs> um
0: and theon but, you know uh, theon tried at least we mm-hmm. are you we were here you were nowhere in this well yeah he was mm-hmm. out building his pirate resume to see the world and kind of walked right into that so yeah
2: wow um
3: it does seem clear at this point that there you know com- when we compare to the book's version of the king's moot um, Euron is is obviously intended to fill both the roles of mm-hmm. Euron and Victarion um, from the books. Um, uh, so they're t- two separate characters in the books, but they, they're combining the two things that they do. Euron being the one who, you know, sails in from ever, you know, out of town and uh, kills Balon and has all of this uh, like sort of creepy charisma to him. But uh Victarion was the one who wanted to take the fleet off to meet up with Daenerys. Yeah. Um so, but it seems like they're just combining those, and that's probably for the best. I mean, we don't know exactly how it's going to turn out in the books, but um certainly as a much simpler way to tell this part of the story, it really works, I think. My only um my only question coming out of these uh scenes though, honestly, was. They sure are talking about building the biggest fleet the world has ever seen, as though that's easy. Right. Like, why? Why didn't they do that before? If it, If all it takes is someone to just, hey, I know,
4: let's make a bunch of ships. Yeah. Well, and even in the last scene, Euron's like, "Go get all the trees you can, and let's just start building." It's like, okay, you're not going to catch them. Building boats takes time.
2: Yeah.
0: Long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was another bit of, I guess, turbo silliness Mm -hmm. turbo plotting silliness
3: it was Um, also mm -hmm. weird and unclear why like so it's one thing it's obvious why theon and Yara would flee right and it's obvious that they would have some people at least loyal to them but it seems like they fled with a lot of ships yeah yep
0: yeah that's all of those
3: ships are loyal to them
0: they took, they got our best ships. Like they looked like they got all your fucking ships. And why does yeah. nobody on this planet know how to guard their ships, <laughs> Marine?
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, yeah. So there was some fishy stuff going on with that whole sequence, and that was a big part of why I. I, I mean, the actual Kingsmoot sequence I thought went pretty well, just in terms of having it be oh, we can kind of see how it might work out for Yara, but then Euron shows up and just blows her out of the water, so to speak. Um, and it's so obvious why they're going to pick him instead of her. Um, I thought that was done well, but then all of that stuff about, oh, yeah, it's apparently a trivial thing to just decide to build a 1,000 ships mm-hmm. and s- mm. talk about it as though it's something you can do over a weekend. And... um and also the idea that Yara and Theon, while fleeing for their lives after a failure at the King's Moot, were able to steal like three dozen ships. Like, m- what? <laughs> How does that work? If, yeah. if she has that many people loyal to her, namely enough people to crew all of their best ships, Yeah.
4: why, why, wouldn't, why didn't she win? <laughs> I I hate to defend this stuff because I hate everything they're doing with the pike, oh. um, but uh, the argument could be made that only the lords were at the king's moot and she has the support of the common folk oh. and and because they would be the ones that would actually sail. A lord mm-hmm. would be a captain, right? Yeah. So if she gets all the small folk with her and they're like, you know what? He's been gone. You've taken care of us. He's crazy. We all have heard rumors about what he does to his crew. Mm-hmm. So we're going to follow you because you give us good health care, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um I I hope
3: that they give us some explanation about that because I right now it seems be... <laughs> Yeah.
4: It's like I said, I hate defending it. Um I yeah. I'm not happy with the way that they're doing Pike. Um it's just not it's not my pike. That's all. And that's fine. I understand that they're yeah. trying to simplify and um, I just
3: eh, it's it's fine. They're trying to tell the Pike story in about a tenth of the space that it was given in the books.
4: Yeah, um, so I
3: it's think extremely rushed compared. to like they screwed over Dorne.
4: Yeah, I think the Ironborn are extremely fickle. Um, there is one thing that is kind of neat. Like I was all upset about, you know, how dare Euron come in here, try to take the throne after he? I mean, I know what he's trying to do, but he, and then he admits to to killing him. And as soon as he admits it, in my head I go, oh my God, he paid the iron price. And then he says it, and one of the things that annoyed me in the first season, or second season, whenever it was, was Bailon Greyjoy going on and on about paying the iron price. And then, yeah, that's how he dies. And I just thought, okay, that's kind of fun. Um, and then my only other problem is, so they drown Euron, and then he just magically wakes up. In the books, it's CPR.
3: Yeah, I I honestly like it better without the uh, CPR because on the one hand, it was always kind of this thing that kind of felt like you read those scenes with a smirk, the idea that, oh, yeah, the Ironborn have just figured out CPR and they treat it like it's magic. Um, But I like the implication that doing it without suggests that there really is something to like the ground god ritual aspect of it. Mhm. Um and I I kind of like that implication. Okay. Right. Um but it also at the same time because of my tendency to be cynical or skeptical of of the religion elements it's it also seems like it would be a much less likely ritual to take hold because when when they have the CPR it is far more likely that they would succeed in being able to resuscitate someone without supernatural assistance whereas if they don't do the resuscitation that kind of not necessarily requires supernatural assistance but it makes it a lot less likely.
4: Yeah and it makes you wonder like if, if Yara and Theon really believed they'd stick around for the ritual to find out if the Drowned God agreed Mm-hmm. You know, and and that sort of a thing, and and then if the drowned god did agree, would it possibly sway them? And it just brings a whole bunch of other implications into the into the story that for something they're trying to simplify. Mm-hmm.
0: Viv had in her notes she was shocked that there was no attempt to revive him, and mm-hmm. that the soldiers were so gentle with his body. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to see why it's considered to be the will of their god.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um. The driftwood crown looks pretty weak. <laughs> well, it's made of driftwood. It's not like that strong. I know. Place. I just mean it, it,
3: it, it's not an impressive crown. I, no, I, I feel. like Why bother if that's what it looks
4: like? Do you know what I mean. I what you meant. I was going for the pun, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> <There> <laughs> don't deny nothing, me my puns.
0: Nothing impressive about the entire place. It's just such a miserable place filled with yeah. miserable people.
4: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't get the leather. I don't cuz like you'd think it'd be canvas it doesn't look like canvas. I don't get the clothing. I I, I am disappointed that's all. So, yeah. And and yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I try to keep it in. I try not to harp. It's just one of the things I haven't gotten over.
0: On well, my notes, I was uh, echoing Christiana, they they really seem like they're broke. They've been in a fighting a war. They've been blowing cash on that mm-hmm. certainly. Uh, how are they going to build a thousand ships? Which made me think, oh, is somebody going to be making a trip to Bravos to get some money? Um, hmm. <laughs> who knows?
3: At a certain point, you'd start thinking, like, Bravos is not doing the best at loaning to the right people recently. <laughs> <laughs> they need to, what's his face, Tycho, they need to rein him in and say, dude let we need to have a talk about your your criteria for deciding who gets a loan because uh it hasn't worked out recently
4: let me introduce you to the concept known as risk assessment okay yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> but uh yeah, anyway um we so, shall see yeah. um i what i'm really curious about now though is where are Yara and Theon going with those ships they've got?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No
3: that's the big clue. question I'm left with here at the end.
0: No clue. Mm-hmm.
3: We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll
0: see. <laughs> maybe they're heading to. No, I was going to say, maybe they're heading to face Dothrak, but that's probably not, since they know that's where the uncle's going to want to go.
3: I'd want them to go help uh, John and Sansa out with Winterfell, except that ships are not great for that purpose.
4: <laughs> if it were me, I'd gather my forces, gather my strength, and come back to Pike and kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, before huh. they have time to build. Though it could yeah. be seems hard seems like to if convince... you have all of
3: the best ships and then they're going to have to build a bunch, then waiting... It seems like you have all the ships right now, and they yeah, don't have no, that, that's what I mean. So, like this is a yeah. two-day
4: trip. You know, you go out. It's like, all right, we got all our ships. Good. They don't have ships. Good. All mm-hmm. right, here's all our weapons. Good. This is the plan of attack, and then yeah. just come right back in. That's that's what I would do.
3: I am astounded that the this is just a detail from the books that has not been included here at the point where it would have seemed relevant uh may show up later but there's a a dragon horn uh, like yeah. like a that kind of horn yeah. um in the books that um it seems to be definitely magical and plays a big role in the king's moot in the books um and I was astounded that they didn't include that cuz that seems like it would have been a very it's a very TV show friendly sort of yeah. thing to use mm-hmm. hey look we got a prop mhm but uh, they also didn't do much with the uh, the horn that was supposed to bring down the wall yeah. either. It kind of it kind of fumbled that one too. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on. It's, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about
0: Dothrak got uh, Danny Jorah and Dario chatting, um, where she's saying, "You know, you have sent you away twice. You've saved my life. So, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do with you?" And he reveals he does have grayscale and we see that either she doesn't know or there is no Targaryen immunity to it mm. um, who knows
3: got, um, mm. am I heartless for not really caring about this scene I, I was kind of surprised to feel that way but I was just watching it and just like okay
4: my my thoughts on this scene is wow it looks like Jorah's taking crocodile which is this really <laughs> ugly brand of heroin. Uh, basically, the meth of heroin. Yeah, it it and it, it does exactly that to your skin, and you die very quickly. But uh, I'm like, Jura, stop with the crocodile, man. Get some good yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, and... it's, it's it's basically, she says, I want you to go heal and return. So she gives him an impossible task, and um, mm-hmm. and he gets to say, I love you. Well, duh, she knew that. <laughs>
0: but he finally got to say it. Um Viv's note has she does the kindest thing that's possible after he confesses his love for her. And that Dara is really absorbing that as he did her proof of being unburnt. You know, he was seemed pretty taken aback. Mm-hmm. She uh, commands him to find the cure and heal, return and stand by her when she takes Westeros. So yeah. And I'm going to stand by my, or I'm, I I should say, I'm going to double down when he was sent away before I said, I think he's really secretly building her an army. And so, so I'm mm-hmm. doubling down. Right. That he's going to go build her a stone man army. He's going to take him over somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
3: I think maybe my, my impatience with this scene was first, I don't know. I think that the show has really kind of it's been so long since Danny and Jorah split. You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's like I, I feel like I haven't cared about the the relationship between the two of them very much in a while. Um, I don't know. I mean, I was a little surprised to to be feeling this way, but maybe part of it is just the idea of when he was gonna leave, he's just like just turning around. He's just gonna walk into the wilderness somewhere. I didn't, I wasn't sure what was happening, but also like okay, she sends him on this mission. So like, are we gonna spend screen time now on Jorah off looking for a grayscale cure or what? Yeah, I don't know, I think it's like know. a really odd way to send that character off if they're not if they're just if they're just done with him. You know what I mean? Like, why not have it be more definitive if they're really not planning to do anything more with well,
0: him? I could say, and yet, see, having, we don't kill everybody.
3: I don't know. I can't help but think that the only reason to send him off with a mission like this is if they plan to pay it off in some way, but I'm also not sure what way they could do it that I would be happy with.
4: Okay, so I had another theory spark in my head. I really hope all this stuff is off screen because it sounds really boring um, <laughs> you know, go find a cure whatever, I I, I don't need another plot going on um, mm-hmm. but Shireen had grayscale and they figured out how to make it stop spreading mm-hmm. so does that mean that Jorah is going to find the only known cure, and I'm doing that in quotes um, because it's not so much a cure it just stops it, the spread and that will bring Jorah back to Westeros Mm-hmm. Is that the whole point of this scene? That Jorah's is going to be in Westeros and be able to do stuff on Danny's behalf while he's seeking this cure that Shireen got? hmm Yeah. Just a thought, yeah. and um, you know, hopefully it pays off. But a lot of it happens off-screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it'll all happen off-screen. But I yeah. think it's entirely possible since they're going at such turbo speeds that that is his send-off, and we'll never hear from him again.
4: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> No
0: clue. Yeah. Oh, and incidentally, not that it's important, but the, uh, when Danny was unburnt again, that came out at an interview that Amelia Clark, even though she said she wasn't going to do any new seeds anymore, she, that was not CGI. That really was her.
4: Thank you. Um, I'm happy for that information. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: She basically said she felt, you know, it was, it, it was important that, you know, it was the come 360 and like, it was that. Gave it more oomph, so she felt comfortable Good. doing it.
4: One of the things I was thinking about during that scene, and I don't think I mentioned it on the show because we were just going on forever, um, was why show her breasts if you have to CGI them on from a body double and the way that things were framed. I was just like, ugh. Like, and it just kind of took me out of the scene because I was thinking about that. And now, knowing that it's just Amelia Clark, I could probably rewatch that scene and not be thinking, why would you shoot it that way? And, because that's exactly how I would shoot it if it was just the actress. Right. <laughs> but, so that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. So, any other. Uh, well, we're still Marine, which is still technically yeah. that continent. And the uh, yeah. last scene Danny's small council getting on with business. And we mm-hmm. meet a new red priestess, a high priestess.
3: Did we see this red priestess before when Jorah and Tyrion were traveling?
4: I wondered the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I read
3: somewhere that they did, but I didn't recognize her. Because yeah. like, maybe she was just in a brief scene. when Because they, they did go through Volantis, right? Yeah, they yeah. saw
0: a priestess for sure. I, yeah. so, so maybe
3: it was this one? Yeah, I mean, because she talks about Volantis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she does talk about Volantis in this scene.
0: Um, well, she gets the litany of, she gets her own litany to match Danny, right? The High Priestess yeah. of the yeah. Red Temple of Volantis, the Flame of Truth, the Light of Wisdom, mm-hmm. the First Servant of the Lord of Light. So yeah. that would um, be her, her in charge, the First Servant, right?
3: Yeah, I loved everything about this scene because it really just delves into exactly the complexity that we were talking about earlier, which is the idea that, Uh, several of the themes you were talking about earlier. First of all, the idea of enlisting something to help you that you may not be able to control afterwards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Also, the complexity of just because someone's on your side doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same end goals as you. Yep. So, you know, this priestess says to Varys, you know, we serve the same queen if you're a true friend of the queen. Um, You have nothing to fear from me, but the implication there is also, and I'm the one that gets to decide what that means.
4: Yeah.
3: Um. So, I, you know, if you are a true friend, according to me, who might use a different measure than you would.
0: Well, and she uses a pronoun, you know, the true friend of the queen.
4: Mm-hmm. Which queen? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't say Daenerys.
3: <laughs> but I loved that Varys, despite it being, a, you know, disruption, disruptive to Tyrion's plan, is not on board and he is just really reluctant to want to get involved with these people at all. And basically is pointing out, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I heard a lot of stuff about how supposedly Stannis was, uh, you know, this... Uh, uh, you know, Lord of Light's favorite favorite boy, mm. and uh, that didn't work out so well for him. And so why should we believe you now? And she doesn't really answer that question very well because she's basically just saying, oh, well, sure, you know, we're just men and women. We're, pre- you know, the priests and priestesses. We can make mistakes. It doesn't mean the Lord of Light makes a mistake, and his point is still like, Well, yeah, so that really doesn't answer anything because how do I know you're not making a mistake right now? Right. (laughs) But at the same time, she then proceeds to um, reveal knowledge of some stuff that he would have kept very, very secret. Um, We only know it because he once told Tyrion in a scene of extreme confidence. Right. So he is definitely very freaked out by that. And I loved the idea, too, that um, – uh, I loved the idea, too, that – okay, I've forgotten what I was – forgot what I was saying there. Oh, okay. the idea, too, of who was that voice, what did it say? we now have a potential new answer to who that might be that's different oh, than the Lord shit. of Light yep. or some other demon. Like, we, we have this idea of <laughs> who might hear voices through various... Yep.
4: <gasps> what if Bran is the Lord of Light? <laughs> well, and, he and, does it for the lols. So one of the things that I was thinking about is they they never say... It. All they ever call the guy that took um, Varys' cock was a sorcerer. What if he was a, a a red sorcerer? What if he followed the Lord of Light? And Because Varys just seemed to really dig his heels in more than you'd expect him to for other situations. I also really mm-hmm. love the comedy of Tyrion trying to backtalk and backpedal yeah.
0: <laughs> all throughout it it's, it. it's rare that he's that insistent especially in front of other people you know
3: exactly exactly my favorite exchange there was um, priestesses is going you want your queen to be obeyed and worshiped and in her absence for her her servants to be obeyed and worshiped and he's like just obeyed would be all right <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love all of it um uh, th- so one thing I notice is that this Priestess, she says the one who is promised. And we have heard before the prince who is promised. Mm -hmm. She very definitively says the one who is promised. And I have a a, a bit of a theory, and I have many of them. Uh, I am the speculative one. Uh, And my theory is that there are three ones who are promised. And that Mm. it's not really a competing thing, you know? Three dragons, three heads of a dragon, maybe there's three. Part of the difficulty
3: there is the difference in what we've seen as far as prophecy in the show mm-hmm. versus in the books, because there's been tons more prophecies oh, yeah. in the books than in the show. And the problem, I think, with that particular theory is that even though it's very supported, that possibility is very supported from prophecies that are in the books, the show has done nothing to yeah. suggest that idea other than the existence of Three Dragons.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But they've they've been mentioning the prince who was promised, yeah, at quite a bit this season. So mm-hmm. it just makes me think that it it's something that they've ignored and now they're just mm-hmm. adding it in. You might be right. Yeah, but that's one of my many theories. Uh, is that you know we have always heard one and maybe it's mm-hmm. three. Um. <laughs> so
3: Jennifer in the Q and A says when Danny comes back, she's got a seven year slave plan and has made a religious figurehead wonder how she'll take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a good question, although my my gut answer is that she's coming back at the head of a column of hundreds of thousands of Dothraki. She's not looking to just hang out at that point. Yeah. yeah. So who knows what will happen. But, uh, yeah, I, I doubt she's just going to head back up to her apartment in the Great Pyramid and say, Oh, so what happened while I was gone?
0: Oh, that's fine. That's nice. Um, we're in the boat building business now yeah.
3: <laughs> I wonder if there's anybody who has a bunch of boats.
0: <laughs> I would expect a similar chop down every tree and blah 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 oh shoot. we live in a <laughs>
2: desert <laughs> ah, <dry. laughs> so that
0: uh that finishes out the episode. uh do we have yep. some ratings
1: yep
2: um.
0: Mine was related to the last conversation actually was, uh, and I did rate it a 10 for specifically the Hodor scene and 10 out of 10 Lord of Light promised ones.
2: (laughs) Um,
3: I'm thinking of mine. Um, uh, 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 um, uh, Eight out of 10 unnecessarily long scenes. (laughs) <laughs> and I will actually I'm going to repeat what I said earlier that I liked the very end sequence enough that it bumped it up a whole two because I was honestly not thrilled with the rest of the episode.
2: Hmm.
3: I mean not that it was terrible but it was really uneven and there was a lot of it that just felt fishy. Yeah
4: um, Yeah. I you know there were a lot of issues basically to me this whole episode was uh the brand hodor thing you know that was yeah. the whole deal um so that really bumped it up high and um i'm sure i'm unfairly rating this high in regards to the rest of it but again because of the emotions that i felt i am going to give this nine hodor's holding the door out of 10 and i can't <laughs> believe i actually got to use that because wow i can't believe i got to use that rating system uh <laughs> so that gives us a a, a 9 out of 10 as uh our average, we can update that when we find out viv's rating mm-hmm. uh next weekish yeah so,
3: next weekish
4: um, and Great. next episode mm. is blood of my blood uh-huh. sounds
3: like Dothraki stuff going on there mm-hmm. so that's what they call their uh the calls call their blood riders yes. But you know, could it could it will for sure have lots of other meanings too. But that's the most Probably. superficial. Yeah,
0: most likely. Uh,
3: Jennifer says eight out of ten Iron Islanders planning to zerg it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jennifer, that is awesome, and I just, I, 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 I just want to give you extra points just for that. <laughs> um,
0: very nice all right that wraps it up for us the next time you'll hear from us will be uh you'll probably be the balticon recording and uh, uh-huh. and then our regularly scheduled wednesday live at uh 8 p.m eastern on the youtubes on the hangouts
2: <laughs>
0: all right so we will all right. talk to you next time thanks for listening
1: if you have feedback for the beyond the wall podcast you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com you can also leave us a comment on the website go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny btw button that'll take you right to our page this podcast is released under a creative commons attribution non-commercial share alike 3.0 unported license Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.
0: Knock,
2: knock.
0: (laughs) I started to write a knock, knock joke. That's as far as I got. Viv was about to punch me in the throat.